singing like that, you know there is a God. <laughs> Verse 31 of Ephesians 4, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, let all bitterness, can we say all? I believe the word all is, is implied to refer to all the following. Let all bitterness, wrath, 
all wrath, anger, or all anger, clamor. What is that? Something noisy. It's not good. And evil speaking, all evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Malice and bitterness are the cause of all this junk. Being polite to describe it. It's iniquity in us that we need to get rid of. And it will cure all these other problems. And verse 32, be kind to one another. Can we say kindness? Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Christ on the cross, if we had time to go into it in Romans, talks about the ultimate sin. The death on the cross was the ultimate sin. Killing God's, ultimate, killing God's innocent son was the ultimate sin against God. The planet should have melted at that time. But at that point, God demonstrated his mercy, his forgiveness. Christ was praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. An extension of his love demonstrated to us through that offer. You know, if I offend you, that's, that's hard to handle. If you offend me, it's hard to handle. But if we offend someone's child, whew, there's, there's adjectives not yet created to describe that kind of pain. And we are to be that way towards each other, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God. As dear children. Your kids ever imitate you? Wear your shoes, wear your hat, put your glasses on. And walk in love as Christ also loved us. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. How sweet it is to be loved by you, Lord. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. That stuff is self-centered. It's not other-centered. It's not true love. It's all about me when I give in to the appetites of my flesh. Verse 4, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So it's the thankful attitude that should be part of our lifestyle that helps us to live the Christian life. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Then he goes on to say, don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. In other words, don't let anybody talk you out of what I just said. All right, skip down to verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or wastefulness. Drunkenness never gives anybody wisdom. 
might give you relief from some sort of pain, but it creates all kinds of other pain because the good ideas you get when you're stoned can cause you all kinds of trouble. What was I thinking? You weren't thinking. But be filled with the Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, we're filled with all kinds of ideas that are good. They don't have any regret. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another, can we say submit? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Obviously, the fear and respect of God governs everything we submit to. So if a brother asks for help when robbing a bank, don't submit to that. Because that's not something you can do in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands, not somebody else's, your own. As to the Lord. So you submit to your husband. It's as though you're submitting to the Lord. It's an obedience to the Lord. Now, obviously, you wouldn't submit to the Lord uh, if the the Lord wouldn't ask you to submit to something sinful. Bonnie should have rebelled against her man. Clyde should not have been submitted to. Can I get an amen, sister? Because she couldn't do it as to the Lord. Robbing banks and killing folks. You can't do that as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Can we say everything? Now, what balances that is as to the Lord. And so the Lord wants our everything. All right, husbands, verse 25, love your wives, not somebody else's, your wives, just as... Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's totally unselfish, unconditional love, is it not? How much did he love the church? They hung him high. They stretched stretched him wide. He hung his head for me and died. That's love. He loved himself for us. There's not a woman I know that wouldn't submit to a man that loved her like that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Christ did that for his bride, even though she was imperfect and is imperfect, and we don't always submit to Christ like we should as a church. He still is working with us patiently, Loving us, unstopping, undying love. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Can we say one? This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's about respect. It's about love. We've been speaking about love. Last Sunday we spoke on the subject. Love is spelled G-I-V-E. And we saw that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Today is not as focused of a message as that one was. That message had one point. Today is rather random, but it has to do with all the different facets of the love that we have received and the love that we are to give to others. Today we're speaking on true love is great love. Can we say great love? Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like... Sabotage. It flees into the night. It, it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like, I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. No promises a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart. One too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? Can't help me. Why love at all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love. Perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's his kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, he still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. First love. It all begins with his love. Our first thought today, true love is great love is the greatness of true love is shown through the expense of its giving. John 3.16, God so loved that he gave his only 
his solitary, his singular, his rare begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How much does God love us? He loves us so much that he gave his best, his only. He goes on in John 15 to tell his disciples, greater love has no one than this. This is the greatest kind of love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Only one life, so soon it will pass. But only one life can you give to those that need your love. Will you lay down your life for someone else? That is the greatest expression of love. The greatness of true love is shown through the expense of its giving proportionate to one's ability to give. I can't give Yvette the ring that Queen Elizabeth wears with that giant diamond that they keep in the safe. (laughs) But I can give her my best, and I can give my life for Christ for the benefit of others. We are called to do this. We're called to lay down our life, our hearts, our feelings, our offenses, our hopes, and our dreams for the benefit of someone other than me. And as the hypocritical section of the scribes and the Pharisees came increasingly under his attack, so his following among the Jews grew. But so did the opposition from those he condemned. Very little. Only a mite. Can't you give more? I tell you, but this poor widow put in more than all the others. For the others offered their gifts from what they had to spare of their riches. But she, poor as she is, put in all the living that she had. She gave according to her ability, and it was all that she had. And Christ said she gave more than anybody else. She gave a sacrifice. It was normal in primitive customs, still is to this day, when someone dies to put coins, a coin on each eye. Somehow they, it's just a way of honoring the dead and is an expression of this person has worth. And it's a Catholic legend that this woman gave the coins she had for her own burial. I don't know if that's true, but the truth is she gave all that she had. It was according to her ability. She wasn't, in expressing great love, you're not expected to give something that belongs to someone else or something that you don't have. What you have is significant, and it is important. Put it in the hands of God. True love is great love. True love for God is made greater when we realize his gracious love for us. Jesus told a parable in Luke 7. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one owes 10 times what the other one owes. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will he 
will love him more. Which will love the creditor more? Yes, the one that was forgiven more. The context for this is the woman with the jar of oil. Watch this. This Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. Come along, children. Off you go. You heard me. Go. Up to all the mischief going with him. Good, son. Two men who owed money to a moneylender. One owed him 500 silver coins, the other 50. Neither of them can pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Which one then will love him more? I suppose that it will be the one who was forgiven more. You are right. You see this woman? I came into your home. You gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and dyed them with her hair. You did not welcome me with a kiss. Since I came, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You provided no olive oil for my head. But she has anointed my feet with perfume. I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins are forgiven. But whoever is forgiven little shows only a little love. sins are forgiven you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She loved him more because she knew she had to be forgiven more. The problem with that story is there's a Pharisee sitting in sin, sitting in his scornful judgmentalism, not loving Jesus and not loving his neighbor as himself, looking down his nose at others, ignoring the fact that he too needs forgiveness. He too needs his shame lifted up. But his hardness of heart has blinded him to the fact he has a whole lot to be ashamed of. The revelation of God's love for us increases when we realize just how much he loves us in light of how wicked we are. Because in all of us is a propensity to sin. 
propensity to hate, to murder, to commit any act. The potential is there. Oh, not me. Humble yourself. Don't make the Lord teach you. (laughs) Embrace the fact Christ died for your sins because he had to. You are worthy of death. The wages of sin is death. And inside us is such, high, is such horrible wickedness that we needed a Savior. And God so loved us that He gave His only Son for us so that we can live in light of His incredible love and mercy. We have a lot to be thankful for because we've been forgiven much. Whether it's the woman with the oil or the Pharisee, with the scowl. This great love we have so freely received is to be given to others. It doesn't stop with us. It's for others because others don't know how much they're loved. And God is dependent on us to show them. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love because He laid down His life for us And we also, we say also, ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We looked at the story of the rich young ruler last week who asked the Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. He said, well, which ones? He said, well, don't do this, don't do that, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, oh, I've kept all those. And Jesus was like, really? Okay, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He wasn't willing to love his neighbors like that. He was not obeying that. Love is love is more than a feeling. It's an action. For this is love, 1 John 4.10. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, that's a full payment, for our sins. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. We have been blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing. This is life at its best, laying down our lives for one another. Love is not a noun to be defined, but a verb to be acted upon. John Mayer's popular song, Love is a Verb, says, It ain't a thing. It's not something you own. It's not something you scream. When you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Love ain't a crutch. It ain't an excuse. No, you can't get through love on just a pile of IOUs. Love ain't a drug despite what you've heard. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. you got to show me, show me, show me. That love is a verb. Great love is never revealed by selfish ways or inactivity. 
This is saying the same thing, but just from the opposite side. Romans 12, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. The word hypocrite is someone who pretends to be something they're not. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I took three days a few years ago and just got away, went to Bridgeport of all places, with with a, a New Living Translation Bible. I hadn't read much of that, and just read as much of the New Testament as I could and a big chunk of the Old Testament. And I came away from those three days with the word love burning on my heart. I think I preached on love for like a year after that. The theme of the scriptures is God's love for us and the call to show that to others. The symbol of the Christian faith is the cross. I love gigantic crosses. One so big you got to get permission from, you know, the aeronautics people to, to put it up. I love it. But you know what? That's just a symbol. The reality of Christian faith is love. Somebody laying down their life is what the cross points to anyway. We imitate God when we truly love to the point of giving ourselves away for others. Like the song we sang last week, I got to give myself away so you can use me. Ephesians 5, we read this earlier, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. And just because it's there, but also husbands, because we need it, let's look at verse 25 again. Husbands, love your wives. Can we say, my wife? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave his life. He gave his blood. He gave his prayers. He gave his sweat. He gave his tears. He gave his mercy. He gave his work. He gave his labor. He gave his identity for the benefit of us as an example for husbands to do this. Not because we're worthy, but because his love is great. Not because Yvette is worthy, but because my love for her is great. We need to beware of cheap imitations. If we're to imitate God, we want to imitate the real thing, not some form of godliness. It's my understanding when tellers are trained in dealing with counterfeit money, they don't study counterfeit. Now, this is the work of the hobnob gang. And look over here, this is what the Pinkertons used to have to deal with. No, they study the real deal. And because of that, I believe the Lord would have us grow in our knowledge of God's love for us. Our love is meant to grow greater. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord make you increase and abound. Can we say abound? in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. 
So we're to increase and abound in our love to each other. But beyond that, and to everyone. See, the one another verses are for the church, but this one goes beyond the church to everybody. Yes. Got to love the Republicans. Yes. Got to love the Democrats. Got to love the independents. Love everyone. May we abound in that love. And I think a key to abounding in this love is kind of checking where we are, doing a reality check, realizing that we may not understand just how much God loves us and how great his love is for us. And it's not because we're worthy of it. And we receive that love by faith. We bask in its glory. We allow it to have an impact upon our psyche, the way we think and the way we see others. Because God loves the person I can't stand just as much as he loves me. If we sow love, we will grow love. And we will know love. Plant kindness. And you'll grow love. It's about being kind to people that are irritating as all get out. Unknowing beyond words. They don't know that they're loved. That guy driving, we'll say guy because we're assuming it's a male, but the guy driving like a maniac on the highway is going to cause a wreck. Just get out of his way. He doesn't know how loved he is. Trying to love himself to get where he wants to get the slow pokes out of the way. By all means, with everybody being able to carry guns, by all means, clear the way for him. Let him go. And pray. And show him love. Yeah, I show him some love right here. Well, somebody will. It doesn't have to be us. True love is great love. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that our love would grow from the roots of knowing that we're loved through our lives, to our families, to one another, and to all beyond ourselves. Lord, make our homes, make this house, this place, these people, ourselves, our families, Recipients of your great love and channels of that great love beyond ourselves to people everywhere we go. I thank you, Lord. The result of this word is going to cause us to increase more and more. That I, I, by faith, Lord, I see us reconciling with people that we thought we couldn't, that we would. Uh, serve people that we would not have even had eyes to see the opportunity to serve. But out of the desire to express the great love you've given us, Lord, I thank you that ministry is going to flow from this place like never before. I ask that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. 
that peace that the Bible says passes all understanding, the peace that comes from knowing your Heavenly Father loves you and no one can take you from His hand. May you go in peace. May you spread that peace. May you extend that peace to others. And may you desire to walk in His love in such a way that everywhere you go, lives are made better. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get him, Tigers. Go for it. It's the song of the forgiven, drowning out the Amazon rain. The song of Asian believers, filled with God's holy fire. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation A love song born of a grateful choir It's all God's children singing glory, glory Lake Granbury Ministerial Alliance celebrates unity during our community black history program. It's about brotherhood, honor, friendship, respect, and worship. There's great music, colorful dance, and inspiring words. It's about love. Love. It's about love. It's about unity. It's about Jesus. So come join us. La unidad comienza con usted. Because unity, because unity, because unity begins with you. Creation, some were made.